0: Good morning and welcome to one step closer, HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Good morning, Stacy, how are you?
1: Morning, John. I'm doing well on this very brisk December morning here in North Carolina where the the temperatures have dipped a little bit, but we'll come back up I think this weekend, so and you're home this week as well, right?
0: I am and it's all the way like down to forty and I'm <laughs> shivering.
1: <laughs> yes, I know, you lightweights over there. <laughs> I can't say much. My family would say the yeah. same thing. They're in Ohio and Yeah,
0: yeah. So. <laughs> what you bet was you warm-blooded lightweights.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So it's uh so we're heading into the end of the year. We got just a few more weeks before the 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 brand new year kicks in and and we'll be writing all of our checks if you still write checks wrong. So it's it's a it's going to be a busy week, I think a couple of weeks wrapping up for the year. How about you? Are you uh staying home and taking care of all the last details for the year? Well, I've actually I'm actually
0: deep into a piece of research about the relationship between HR and security. And Having having a really interesting time, you know. You know, security is is fundamentally a a human problem. You ha- you can put technology in place, and you can try to you know, like like the the Equifax problem on a certain level was that people just didn't stay awake long enough to do the maintenance required to keep their system secure. But you can get the you can get the, tech, the technical stuff perfect. You can get the legal stuff perfect and still the problem is people people forget people give away passwords people maliciously do things people sucker for social engineering and it seems to me um i don't have a, a solid beat on this but it seems to me that there is a kind of a, a a reasonable relationship between how people feel about the company and how secure the company is right so if i interesting, if i if I care about the company and I want to see it do better, and that's that's part of my relationship with the company, then then I'm going to watch for places where security is an issue. I'm going to care more about the quality of my password. I'm going to um, listen a little bit more closely when somebody calls to see what they're asking. You know, I, I, I'm going to be, uh, with heightened concern about the company, I'm going to be a better Protector of the company um, and um, i don 't think anybody's really looked at this very hard, but i'm kind of excited about it um, uh, I think Hr has a, a significant role to play in security and it's been uh, sort of brushed off um, but if you if you if you say you know i don't i don 't think much of the whole engagement topic, but if you say that that there's a um, um, some meat on that bone, and that, and that it does matter how employees attach to the organization, what, what's the emotional attachment to the organization is an important thing. If you buy that, then, then it's got to be the case that uh, there's a relationship between that and the quality of the security of the company.
1: You well know, i i th- i think you would find that uh anybody who's in the forefront of the engagement conversation right now has has, has figured out that the the conversation isn't about um it- it, no, no level of happiness, or even to some extent engagement, in the way we think of it as as increased performance and output. Right? The engagement conversation these days is much more about understanding the culture of your organization, and and with that understanding culture that you are attached to it. I like I think your emotional attachment is a really good way of describing it. That you feel vested in that company in some way, right? That it has uh, that its success has an impact on what you're doing in your life, and you have an impact on its success. Um, those sort of uh, reciprocal areas of respect seem to have a, of a big play, I think, in the new world sort of an engagement. Um, this week, we're going to actually, there's some interesting, I think, uh, conversations that are going on right now that sort of lead into the the, the same thing you're talking about, which is um, things like security and personal data privacy and <clears throat> and what's happening in technology around the HR space um, so GDPR is a big topic in this space, right? We're, we've got a little bit of a conversation going on this week about that. Net neutrality um, might play a role in this in some level, right, depending on, on whether or not uh, people are, are, uh, see that as a good or a bad thing and whether or not that will increase um, uh, various levels of, sort of uh, access to things and whether or not people try and get around the access issues. Um, We also have, I think, some interesting conversation this week. Um, There was an updated article uh, a few weeks back, but I think it's well worth talking about in light of this. um, The OPM, which is the Office of Personal Management, um, which is basically the group that handles the lease for the United States, the federal government's. HR regulations, requirements, um, those type of things. And they're rethinking, once again, for maybe 100th time, um, the HR environment of at least our government-based entities here in the United States. Um, And a lot of it has to do with personal data management, which I think gets back to your security question and, you know, do how people feel about where they're working, make a difference in how secure that information is. That's a that's a big issue on the government level. Um, we also have some interesting stuff going on. Microsoft just purchased a company called Workboard. Um, it's a strategy management company. One of the things that they're citing is that, you know, organizations basically find that they're, strategies oftentimes don't actually come to fruition because they're not actually managed and so there's some interesting conversations here about what that looks like at a enterprise level and i think it ties into you know our strategies a big driver of what actually gets done inside organizations you know and and how does that overlap with performance management um and then if we have a little bit of time there's um an interesting um, conversation going on. I I don't know if this plays too much into all the other things we were talking about, but I I sort of picked up on this um, about organizations starting to look at different ways of managing the personal and the diversity conversation. Uh, One of them dealing with neurodiversity, which has to deal with um, uh, employees and people um, who are struggling with various maybe levels of autism or other things that are going on. And so, I that was well worth maybe having a conversation. We have a little bit of time today about uh, what's happening sort of in the diversity space and expanding that conversation as well. So lots of stuff uh, going on as far as technology as a whole, um, not, I think, some, some big sort of direct things going on in HR, but I think a lot of things that might have an impact on HR. You've been doing a lot of research on the GDPR topic, John. you want to maybe talk a little bit? I mean that that one I started talking about when I came back from my trip. To the HR Tech World Congress event in Amsterdam, big topic there that week it was the week that it was passed. Um, you're getting deeper into it. Are you finding that it's gonna gonna have some teeth, and is it gonna have an impact on HR and the personal data management um, issues we're dealing with?
0: Well, what you hear, what you hear, it's not documented anywhere that I've that I've seen documented by documented. There's nobody who's saying this is policy. Yeah. But what you hear. Is that the EU regulators are frustrated by the fact that uh, Americans all but ignored the the intent of the last round of laws in this regard, and so they've, they've strengthened the they've strengthened the requirements and and they've added fines that can be as large as four percent of total revenue. Um, so. So GDPR, GDPR um, has there are 160 different pieces of it, but 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 at the top, GDPR says if you have have business operations in um, in Europe. And it's a little fuzzy about that. So having a sales team that visits Europe probably doesn't count, but having an office does. Um, If you have an office in the EU, then the law applies to you. Um, um, And um, um, the question is, how do you know which of the people in your system are European citizens? because this is this is a law about the data associated with the European citizens. Right. So the first question is how do you know if you've got a European citizen? Um and and then and then if you do, you're required to protect that data in certain ways. There's there's a seventy two hour data breach notification requirement, which is you know, if you look at the, the Equifax story, hard to do. Um, um they, they they six months might be a, might be a little long. I was going to say but, I think
1: that the normal these days is about six to eight months, isn't it? <laughs> uh, uh,
0: but 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 there's a seventy two hour notification clause, and if somebody tells you that they want to be forgotten, that they they don't want you to to remember them anymore, you have to do it. You have to honor the request to be forgotten, and there are a bunch of interesting subsets of that request. So. So the first thing is um, employees can ask to be forgotten when they leave. And typically organizations have kept files on people for a long period of time. And so that that represents a change. Um, It may call into question um, how you handle data about history uh, because it used to be that you could just wait around, but now you have to have some workaround that allows you to anonymize the data so that um, when somebody's gone, they're gone. There's a – go ahead.
1: And that, that will have an impact against a certain regulations we have in the States here about making, requiring that you have keep data on employees for seven plus years, dealing with EEOC requirements and diversity regulations and those type of things. Correct. So there are some overlapping issues here. I think people are still working through.
0: I don't think, I think, I think there's a whole bunch of stuff that people don't know, but what I am pretty sure, you know, I, I wouldn't bet my house on this, but, but I'm reasonably sure that, that after, a short but prudent time period. May twenty eighth is is the day when all this goes into effect. Somewhere after May twenty eighth, probably mid summer, <laughs> there'll be an enforcement action. Yeah. And there'll be the, and there'll days, probably yeah. be several enforcement actions, and the fines will be devastatingly high. Right. The four the percent of revenues is is a is a big number for any company who runs afoul of this. <laughs> uh, And and the and the EU will be proving that it's serious about this stuff, Um, and and, and that means that you got to look at this thing because getting somebody's personal information out of all of your system and off of all of your desktops is a non-trivial question.
1: Yep.
0: Right. What's What's happening in in recruiting and in employee communications and in employment branding and in community outreach in general, and this is also happening in marketing, is it's increasingly the case that the tools are designed to allow the individual practitioner to be more powerful. And the individual practitioner um, can build their own lists for things like, um, you know, if if you're in an engineering department, you might have a list with 100 people who would be great to have work there that you send a little bit of stuff out to every couple of weeks. That's part of the employment branding conversation these days, the marketing by department managers. Well, if you've got somebody from Europe, on that list and they send the marketing department a note that says, please, uh, forget about me, please take me off your lists. There's no current way for the marketing department to even be aware of the fact that somebody in engineering has got a mailing list that's set up as the result of an HR initiative.
1: And there's no doubt, I think, that recruiting is going to have the harder part on this. I had a conversation with both NGHR and ADP while I was in Europe on this, and both of them have already come up with sort of some solution within their databases and their environments where you hit a button and it pulls all the information because you also have to show people what you have on them in some level too. Um, but neither of them could answer the question about how do I get access to any system that's integrated but not truly attached, you know, right, that I don't have access to their database as they – don't have access to that, and that's really all of the recruiting systems in many cases,
0: right? Right. All of the. I don't know a <laughs> single vendor who isn't working hard to. Um, uh, oh, some of the startups don't believe this yeah. is real, but 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 I don't I don't know a single uh, substantial vendor who isn't working hard to keep their side of the street clean on this stuff. Yeah. The problem. <clears throat> the problem is the customer doesn't have a single vendor problem. The customer has yeah. a regulatory problem. And so so if the answer is, in order to comply with this law, you have to know what all of your systems are and then go touch them all to come up with a report, you're talking about a department of people waiting around to be pinged. Yeah. Um, um, and, and that's not going to happen. So there's a market for some sort of automated solution that allows you to certify that you've done it all.
1: Well, and this is actually going to be interesting. I mean, you know, talking about the OPM um, conversation, you know, one of the big things that's being pushed in, in the Office of Personal Management, sort of their plans to once again redo the HR technology environment for the federal government here in the United States is very much about the uh, employee data management model. So if you sort of follow this at all, there is different ways that people sort of keep track of employee data in the U.S. government. Um, And they have called them different things over time. But um, the idea now is that, much like we've just recently done in the healthcare, they want to create an idea of, of a new employee digital record, or what they're calling EDR, which will replace their version of the electronic official personal folder, EOPF, and the Enterprise HR integration, E H R I system. <laughs> not less like acronyms in the in the government. But all of this is with the idea that this EDR electronic personal or the employee digital record will be the the way you know what you're keeping track of and all the employees. Now I don't know that this will obviously our government data and stuff may not have to have quite as much of a play on the GDPR model, right? But the idea is that we really don't know what data we have on people, particularly in an area where maybe you have people moving from agency to agency, um, you know, within, you know, weeks' times on multiple levels. Do you think that's even possible at, at, at the level of a huge government or at the level of a very, very large organization that's all over the world?
0: Well, it has to be possible. It has to be possible, and this is this is the the most interesting thing. The only way that it can be possible to go back to the start of this conversation, the only way that it can be possible is if you have all of your employees taking this seriously, mm-hmm. um, because because what you really want to know. If you imagine, I, I've, I've been thinking about the data in an organization as being sort of in sort of a plumbing system. Yep. And this is, this is the liquid that moves through all of the pipes is the data. And, and there are places all over the organization where it can get stuck. And the place where you're at risk with GDPR is where it gets stuck. The place where the government is going to have trouble figuring out what to do are the places where it gets stuck. And it gets stuck because people have hard drives. Right, that's that's why it gets stuck because people store stuff.
1: Well, and and one of the one of the answers to this, I think, that's starting to come out. I, we've seen this in the HR space a little bit more so, but I we're also seeing in the finance space and the strategy space is now um, the idea that whatever your tools that you're using to work on these systems, if they're cloud based, they can on some levels start to stop you from downloading stuff, right? Like you have to work in that environment to get the work done. Microsoft is one of the big, you know, drivers of this. And you know, within Microsoft's cloud environment, they now have restrictions on what can be downloaded and uploaded in environments. Um and as they get more and more into the strategy role versus personal sort of data management, I guess I would say if you're if you're calling it like my desktop, my my Word documents when I'm talking about personal data management. Um this might even get bigger for them as they become an enterprise technology environment versus just a um, consumer, I guess, or, or business-to-business, you know, individual-level uh, topic. That, I think, is going to get interesting. Um, so Microsoft just purchased the Startup Workboard as part of this, which is a very, you know, sort of system focused on helping organizations manage the their strategies. So this is, I was surprised by this because I haven't seen Microsoft get into two, I mean, I've got Microsoft Dynamics uh, from the CRM perspective and we've got LinkedIn, but, you know, generally, you know, as an enterprise system, they've been kind of staying in the Microsoft office wheelhouse as far as those technologies go. Do you think we're going to see more of these type of technologies that basically say all the data not has to be connected with us, but if you're going to touch it, you have to touch it in one of our systems type of environments? Well, I
0: mean, th- this is the workday bottle, isn't it? Yeah. This is this is exactly what workday is trying to do because the, the 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 story they were telling you know eighteen months ago was per- the productivity hit you take by having to try to figure out what revision of the spreadsheet everybody's using um, yeah. is so significant that having a single spreadsheet source that has certified data from the database in it, so everybody's always on the right revision of the spreadsheet, um, um, is, there, is how um, Workday put their first foot forward into this planning and strategy conversation. You know, as, you, as, as you've been talking about Workboard, I'm going, oh, oh, the relationship between Workday and Microsoft ought to get pretty interesting. Because yeah. <laughs> they're, they're they're aligned in ways that, that this that this particular investment um, uh, makes clear that I hadn't really understood. If you're if you're thinking about GDPR, one of the things we'll do this week is is on the podcast um, piece in the HR Examiner, we'll have links to GDPR resources, and one of the links is a Microsoft. God, I don't even know what to call it. It's like a Microsoft infomercial that goes on for days um, <laughs> um, with lots of interesting resources, including including tutorials about how Office 365 um, can be the sort of pivot center to your um, GDPR compliance.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Right. See, I mean, right. yeah. That because I know I've recently run into this on a on a personal level where I was trying to download something. I was working in in my cloud office environment. I couldn't get the thing off of the environment. I couldn't get it sent to someone and mailed to someone. I was pretty frustrated at that point in time.
0: <laughs> ah, but you were secure. Frustrated but secure.
1: secure. Frustrated but that's... secure for my PowerPoint, yeah. <laughs> This is this is going to be, you know, we're going to have to watch this, and, and I think we're going to see this play out in real time because um, many of these updates are in the most recent version of Microsoft, and many of the things that we're starting to hear Microsoft pick up are much more in the enterprise realm, right? So I do think, you know, there's going to be some interesting relationships between the workdays, the oracles, and now Microsoft playing in this space. Um, in a way that previously they've all sort of played nice together before, right? It, they ne- really haven't had to worry as much about competition from Microsoft at that level. Um, I, I don't think that's going to be the case going forward uh, pretty soon.
0: Well, what if you you, you know we have uh, being being good Americans, we've sort of shrugged off the idea that regulations around the rest of the world um, actually apply to us, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, the hubris has been has been pretty interesting, but what if this is a big deal? What if yeah. GDPR actually is um, enforced and the way of the future? Then that means there's a market opportunity here. There's a there's an extraordinary market opportunity for a company that can bring broad uh, data regulation compliance to its clients, uh-huh. uh, and and when you have when you have the competition being fractured in its approach because it's more of the we'll take care of our own lawn thank you very much or um, our roll up pieces we can't get them all in line that sort of stuff the holes in the strategy will will pop up almost immediately and this will become a competitive factor when you look at the ecosystem that that companies are provided. Is the entire ecosystem GDPR compliant? Well, um, and, and
1: this might even get messier. So if, if we're talking about someone like an Apple in this space, right, so the big developers of the tools, right, that people are using to access the information, Apple, um, Google to some sense, um, you know, the, the smartphone models, those type of things. You know, uh, Apple just invested $390 million in making um, depth-sensing chips for um, iPhone X. Right, which is iPhone 10, I guess. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, Apple has announced a second major investment from its one billion dollar Advanced Manufacturing Fund that launched uh, back in May um, with this organization. That is going to be. I was kind of intrigued by this that that this organization is looking at trying to create basically the technology that will allow your phone to basically become a a range sensor right you know to, to give you not just gps tracking from that perspective but literally able to, to to tell sort of the the distance between you and your system and anything else going on around you right um the true internet of things um this is this is pretty huge and so then the question becomes what type of information is considered personal information right is it just information about you and your um, you know, background and your experience from an HR perspective, or is it also the information about where you're at and your GPS tracking data and your uh, the time you logged in and logged out of something, or the time you walked past uh, this object versus another object? Is that personal information as well?
0: Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. The, w- one of the cases that I have been exploring is there's there's it <laughs> in order to make. A voice interface product work with HR tools. Um, you have to do something like Ceridian is doing, which is partner with a company that allows you to move from Siri to Alexa to Google to Microsoft so that you could wake up and talk to one of the Alexa at your bedside, Google home in the kitchen, and Siri in the car, yep.
1: um,
0: and carry on the same underlying transaction, I want to change my schedule or I want to change my benefits or something like that, running it across all of those voice interfaces. Um, and, and that means that somebody somewhere has the capacity to triangulate in on you because they have three um, different location pings um, to the same system through these other systems. Right, and so that's personal identifying information. Yep, that absolutely is, and it's and it's the heart of what makes um, um, many of the coming uh, smart applications work. And it means there's a whole treasure trove of stuff like that that is going to have to be scrutinized and cleansed um, when you ask to be forgotten.
1: In you, when you ask to be forgotten, world, um, I, there is a flip side. to This there is a you know you know I, I'm a big proponent of personal data and that people should get something for giving their data, but there's also the side of if I ask to be forgotten about one thing, does it, it generally it means you're wiped out of everywhere, right? What if you then want to be remembered for something else? You know I I think I gave the example of my airline tickets. I get spammed by airlines constantly, I can't unsubscribe to them because if I do, then I also lose access to many of the things that I need to travel, um, the information and the updates that I get on that. Um, I know there's ways to get around this in some way if you understand how all of it works. I haven't figured it out yet. But is that going to be a challenge with something like the GDPR, John, when, from a personal consumer perspective? I think a
0: whole lot of things are going to get reconsidered, and that the ripples haven't even begun to be understood. We're still waking up. I, I did a I did a webinar for the Conference Board this week, and there are significant groups of people in Fortune 500 companies who don't know what they're doing about this stuff um, and haven't paid attention, and so. Just getting to the earliest stages of everybody sharing awareness levels is is hard. I've been talking to to the smartest lawyers on on the topic, and and they don't have a sense of the complex systems implications, right? So they're, it's still mostly in the hands of lawyers, and lawyers move slowly and have very conservative views. And the reality is, we don't understand.
1: We don't know, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. What we didn't get to today, although we're at the end of the half hour already, is net neutrality. That is definitely changing here, at least in the United States today, with them rolling back the regulations. Maybe we'll, we'll see next week what happens. Maybe we'll have a conversation about whether or not we think that's going to change the world as we know it uh, in, in the internet, uh, as many of the people are warning it might, or if it'll it'll be business as usual, depending on, on how you're looking at uh, things. So net neutrality, we didn't get to today, but maybe, Maybe next week we'll talk about it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm changing my mind on that one. I I, I think <laughs> I think the change has already happened. the The web that we knew is not the web that we have. Um, Interesting.
1: Well, that will be well worth a the conversation then next week. So so let's put yep. a pin in that one and say we'll talk about it next week. It'll be worth, it, worth the time. Yep.
0: Perfect. So thanks for doing this, Stacey. It's, as usual, a great conversation about the state of things in HR technology.
1: Yep, definitely looking forward to uh, the rest of the year and and talking to everybody uh, in the last few uh, calls of the year this week.
0: So, you've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. This was our 150th show. Um, and thanks for tuning in. We'll see you here same time next week. Bye bye now.
1: Bye, everyone.